We're a pioneer church based in Loughborough in the UK. Our mission is to make disciples to establish heaven on earth. Cool, so celebration at the table. So celebrations can take many forms, can't they? But one of the things that I think a lot of celebrations have in common is that um, you can picture people kind of laughing and smiling because that is an outward expression of an inward joy. And that's why we celebrate, isn't it? To express our joy and to mark joyous occasions. Now, spoiler alert, what I'm not going to do today is give you like a step-by-step guide on how to throw a party because... I think big celebrations are awesome. There's a time and a place for that. We love it. But um, I think one of the running themes of this series is that um, the table is a place where we can make regular or even daily habits of things. And so it's probably quite unsustainable to do massive parties every day. So we're going to be looking at how we can celebrate in the everyday, the big things and the small things. But the problem is that kind of joy that we just spoke about you don't kind of feel that every single day, do you? That kind of feeling of like, oh, it's my birthday or my favourite football team has just scored. So we need to find other things um, that can give us joy. And so we need to find something way more consistent than our favourite football team. So where can we find that kind of joy? So in the book of Galatians, in the Bible, joy is listed as a fruit of the Spirit, a sign that God's presence is with you. It's not merely this feeling that comes and goes depending on circumstances. Joy is an attitude God's people adopt because of hope. Hope in God's love and promise. So that means Christian joy isn't this kind of up and down feeling based on the here and now, but a profound decision of faith in the power of Jesus' life. So does that mean that as Christians, we should be kind of walking around with this massive, big, cheesy grin on our face because we believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again and he defeated death itself? Like, absolutely not. That would be completely unhealthy. We recognize that there is deep pain and there is deep sorrow in this world. And we need to allow ourselves to feel that. Jesus lived on this earth. He wept. He understands our suffering and he's not asking us to suppress it. But biblical joy does look like holding intention, the acknowledgement of our pain and suffering while trusting Jesus. It's not always easy, but when you believe Jesus' love has overcome death itself, it's reasonable to be joyful, even in the darkest of circumstances. We're called to be a people who rejoice in the midst of hardship. And that kind of hopeful joy is what led Paul and Silas to um, praise whilst they were in prison. I don't have time, unfortunately, to go into the whole story. You can read it in Acts 16. But um, they kind of looked beyond their circumstances and looked at the power of Jesus' life. And um, they started praising in prison and they were released and they saw others released too. And it's amazing. So do go away and read that story. So praising in the dark places doesn't mean that we're saying our circumstances are great. We're just saying that God is greater. So how do we praise in the good and the hard times? Well, we build up the habit of being grateful in our everyday lives, of praising and worshipping in our everyday lives. And sometimes this is really easy, but sometimes it's super hard. Like we've got to the end of a really long, frustrating day and we're like, there is nothing to be grateful for. But in those moments when we're struggling to think of specific things, we can focus on God the Father, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can spend time reflecting on the names and the attributes of God, who is good. And I love that we sang 
I mean, all those songs today, like we, Luke was saying, we were just reflecting on the names of Jesus so beautifully. And so you can listen to those songs. You can even Google them or even better, read your Bible. Um, and just, there's a long list of all the names we got. But um, in the book, Why Worship, the worship leader, Noel Robinson, lists a few that he likes to reflect on. And so I'll just list a few now. One of them is Abba, God is our father, and he wants an intimate relationship with us. Yahweh Jireh, the Lord will provide. Yahweh Shalom, the Lord our peace. The list goes on and on. But I know that um, when I'm feeling overwhelmed or unsure about situations, spending time reflecting on who God really is helps me to take, helps take me from a place of kind of fear to a place of confidence. As I declare in faith who God is and declare his praise, I believe the spiritual atmosphere around me changes much like it did for Paul and Silas. But the thing is, it's much easier to praise God if we know God. It's like if I was trying to say nice things about a stranger, I would find it way harder compared to somebody that I know very well, like Els, for example. I told you I'd get your name in here somehow. Um, <laughs> so if I was trying to think of really nice things to say about Els, I'd find it much easier because I've spent time with her. I know her character. I can list specific things. But if we're not doing that with God, it's going to be much harder. So regularly spending time in his presence and experiencing his goodness is the way that we better understand his promises and his love for us. And from that place, joy arises. And this joy has been expressed for centuries through singing and dancing, through sacrifices and poetry. And thankfully, a lot of these have been written down and we can find some of them in the book of Psalms in the Bible. Um, so there's five psalms at the end of this book that all begin with the line, praise the Lord, or in Hebrew, hallelujah. So Yah being short for Yahweh, praise the Lord, hallelujah. You get it. Um, and I was watching a Bible project video about this. And what I found interesting was that in Hebrew, this word hallelujah was used as an invitation to praise. So nowadays we use it as a kind of way of expressing our own worship, but in the context that the Psalms were written, it was like saying, hey, you over there, come praise the Lord with me, come worship God with me. And I think that's amazing because praise is something that they were saying we want to share with other people. And when we do that, praise can become like a party. It can become this celebration that others get to join in with. Uh, but one of the keys to kind of being able to do that, to join in with other people, is kind of understanding why we're praising, why we're worshiping. And um, as I was writing this, a funny kind of memory came to mind. Um, I think Michael knows what's coming here. But um, a few years ago, I was in the library with Michael, and we were working away at a table when suddenly, out of nowhere, Michael lets out this massive, yes, and like, drops to the floor and starts worshipping God. And I'm like, what in the world is going on here? And like, it's really quiet all around us. And I'm going, Michael, 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 like what's happening? And he's just totally absorbed in praise, like no idea that I'm trying to speak to him whatsoever. And um, yeah, I was like, I really, really want to join in with what's going on, but I have no idea what is going on. So I was like trying to get his attention, trying to find out why he was making so much noise and we were about to be kicked out of the library. And in the end, I just looked at his laptop screen and there was an email from a company offering him a placement. And so that's why he was celebrating. I don't think he even took that placement, but he was... <laughs> <laughs> he, was that <laughs> he was that excited anyway. Um, but I'm not taking a dig at Michael. It was a really lovely example of how 
quick he always is to praise God. And that only comes from making it a habit in your everyday life to do that. But like I said, it was hard to join in when I didn't understand why we were celebrating. So sharing stories and testimonies of God's goodness is important so that we can allow others to join in with the celebration with us. In Psalm 145, written by David, which is actually just before those um, five praise psalms, it says this, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. So this psalm talks about how one generation is speaking about God's goodness, God's greatness, and in response, David wants to join in with the celebration. So I love hanging out with older generations. Um, I love hearing stories of what God's done in their life. And if you aren't friends with older people who've been journeying with Jesus for a long time, I really encourage you to get to know some because, trust me, you won't be disappointed. But it doesn't just have to be one generation to another. It could be one friend to another, one housemate to another, one colleague to another. Let's make a habit of sharing stories of what God is doing in our lives. Big or small, let's be quick to join in with one another in praising God. And I think sometimes we can hold back because it feels like the thing that we're wanting to celebrate seems really small in comparison to what's going on in other people's lives. But I believe God cares about the details of our lives just as much as the big moments. And God doesn't change depending on how momentous our day has been. So why should our praise So what's it look like to be a people who make a habit of praise and celebration? Well, the table could be one of those places. Maybe as you share a meal, you share stories of what God has been doing in your life, inviting others to celebrate the answered prayers with you. Maybe it looks like reading a psalm together before you eat, giving thanks for God's provision. Maybe it does look like bursting into song. I've lived in so many houses where this has happened. And in fact, it happened just a couple of days ago. We just spontaneously burst into a song at the the table. And if that is your style, go for it. Um, So yeah, I've just done like a really whistle-stop tour of um, celebrating God's goodness because I need to let Els come up. But honestly, could go on about this forever. But I'm just going to end on this one little thing. So last week I was um, spending some time with this um, lady called Carolyn. She's in her 70s. She's a phenomenal woman walking with Jesus for a long time. And yeah, really amazing lady. And she shared a bit of her story at the beginning of the week. And um, basically there was this tragedy in her family. A really, really sad thing happened. But she said that... um, this moment of tragedy turned into an opportunity of worship for her. And she said she realized that she had one breath and she wanted to use that one breath to worship God. And so my question, oh, which one? It's in these uncertain times where we don't know what's going to happen, where we could speak out our anger, we could speak about uncertainty, 
how are we going to use our one breath? What Bex has so beautifully said is that God wants our praise. He wants it whatever it looks like, whether that might be in the office, in your break room, uh, at the library, just like it was for Michael, um, or at a party. That's very on theme for celebration at the table. Um, but yeah, I'm an English graduate, so I'm going to use a good transition into a new point. Yeah, that's right, Jemima, you know. Um, in the same way that God wants us to magnify and glorify him, another way he wants us to celebrate is by encouraging and affirming one another. And I think one of the best ways to celebrate someone is to tell them why they're so great or to tell them why, why or how they're reflecting God's character. And I want to say that God loves it when we affirm the good things that we see in other people, because in doing so, we're outwardly proclaiming the gifts and characteristics of a son or daughter that he has created. We're appreciating his creation and the good works of his hands by celebrating other people. And to celebrate someone else, I think, is to impart a lot of joy into their lives. And the best thing about it is that it's an unlimited resource. We don't run out of good things to say about other people. We always have the choice to say them. And just like Beck said earlier, I'm getting your name in so many times, um, choosing joy and celebration, not only of God, but of others too, is a profound decision of faith and hope and the power of who God is, because he's created us to be a certain way. Let's have a look at some scripture. So can anyone get up Hebrews 10? 24 to 25. Whenever I read this verse, I always think about Paul telling us to encourage one another all the more. And that always stands out to me. He's saying that we'll need to do this even more as our days continue, as we anticipate Jesus returning. He tells us that encouraging one another will spur us on toward love and good deeds. And I think that's great. So the fact that encouraging one another is actually like a scriptural command stated by one of the leaders of Jesus' early church, it suggests to me that this is something we need to do really intentionally and is an integral part of our faith. So yeah, celebrating each other for who God has created us to be, I think is so much fun. If you know me, you'll know I absolutely love telling other people why they are so great. Um, so it's genuinely life-giving to name gifts and skills that we see in others and explain to them why they're so great and, ex and explain how they're strengthening God's kingdom here on earth. And I genuinely look out into this room and my heart grows because... You're all so brilliant and you've all got such unique giftings and you're all just wonderful, wonderful people. And I could spend this whole talk going around every single one of you and telling you why you're so great, but I won't. I will go to Proverbs instead and just look at Proverbs 16:24 really quickly, which says that kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul. And if we stop, to, stop for a minute and think about what that actually means, we can recognise that to celebrate someone for who they are is to actually speak life into them, with inserting a bit of sweetness into their soul. And we can, we can encourage them to keep strengthening a characteristic or to start listening to God about how they can use an aspect of, his, of their personality for his glory. And I think my point here is that when we, when we celebrate someone, it can have a knock-on effect. It can light a spark in someone and carry them on to further things. Another point is, I hope you all know, I, some of you might not know, but at Open Heaven we run this thing called the Discovery Course. And it's a day in, like you go on a bit of a journey and you dig into um, a bit of the scripture around spiritual gifts. And it's finding out about what gifts and skills God has placed in you as an individual. And it's a great day, 100%, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, but encouragement is a spiritual gift. And while it may not come out as everyone's top gift, it's something we can always ask God to be better at. As we've already noted that Paul said, it's an integral part of kingdom building. And God gives us words to say, and the Holy Spirit can show us individuals who need uplifting and empowering and celebrating if we allow him to guide us. 
I know there are other ways to celebrate people, by the way. I'm not opposed to like cake or a bonbon cookie if you're feeling crazy. Um, but you might be thinking, Els, I'm not going to go up to a stranger in Tesco and tell them that the way they interacted with a cashier was really nice. And the introverts in the room, you're probably like shaking at the thought of that. <laughs> but what I mean to say is the difference in the way that we are led to celebrate people is okay. We're all different people, so of course we're going to celebrate others differently. Um, but as long as the goal remains the same, which is to uplift and encourage, then we're all doing it right. But of course, it goes without saying that it's actually sometimes really hard to celebrate people. And that could be for various reasons. And maybe you're already thinking of some or an occasion where you found someone like celebrating someone else really hard. Um, perhaps you found it difficult when you've been jealous of someone or you've disagreed with someone and they actually had a better solution than you in the end. But we need to recognize as humans that there'll be a lot of times in our lives when pride will prevent us from celebrating someone. In a culture that's so me, 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 selfishly driven, it can feel strangely backward to want to celebrate someone else when we could so easily tell ourselves that we did a better job or we had a better idea. But we only need to look to Jesus to realize what it means to truly celebrate one another and to be taught by him who didn't for one second ever want to elevate himself. So when he's speaking to his disciples in Luke chapter 6, 35, he says, love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the, great, to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. And I know not everybody in the world are our enemies, but I wanted to note this piece of scripture because I do think it applies to everybody. We're called to do good to everybody and to celebrate people without expecting anything in return. And I think true celebration doesn't look like affirming someone else for the benefit of making ourselves feel good. We might think we're such a good person for being so nice, but from that place, the whole pride issue becomes a loop and we're just back at the start again. When we celebrate someone else, we need to celebrate them from a place of pure joy and admiration for the character that God has given them. And this is super hard when we feel like we can't celebrate or we don't have a reason to celebrate someone else, even though we're called to. I'm going to use a really specific example, so just bear with me on this, but I think it's a great story and it's actually really formed my idea of how to celebrate really well, even in the face of hardship. So... Yes, I'm going to embarrass someone in the room. Uh, my best friend India from home is here today, so everyone say hi. <laughs> and just fully know that she has given me permission to tell this story, so it's not against her will. <laughs> um, but I admire India for so many reasons, um, but this main one, I'll take you back to when we were year eights, we were 13, and India's brother Ben, or Bubs to those who knew him well, um, he was placed into a hospice when he was 16. He had severe pneumonia and he had cerebral palsy as well from when he was a baby. And he actually passed away in May 2013. And I think what was modeled to me so beautifully by India and her family was a posture of thankfulness and a celebration for the life that Ben has led, though it was cut so short. And the way this was outworked was on the day of the celebration of his life, everyone actually wore rugby shirts and onesies um, to the celebration. And I use the word celebration because it truly was. I've not seen anything like it or experienced anything like it before. It was a celebration of an earthly life, to well, earthly life well lived and of, of an eternal life just beginning. But God was glorified. It was amazing. Scripture was read out and everyone dressed in onesies was a beautiful representation of the joy that um, Bubs had imparted while he was on earth. And something my dad often says when a Christian passes away is they've been promoted to glory. 
And I think that really sums up exactly why we choose to celebrate. We've been talking a lot today about the tension of grief and joy as well. But we celebrate because when someone dies, they actually get to be reconciled with God, reconciled with their father, new in spirit and body, having the greatest party of all. And I think that's worth celebrating. But I think my point here is that sometimes celebrating is self-sacrificing. It can feel like not the way we want to be celebrating. And it, yeah, it's just tricky sometimes. And we just need to recognize that. But when we celebrated Bubs all wearing onesies, as I said, that wasn't how we wanted to do it. We wanted to see him recover, continue his life this side of heaven. But we made the choice to celebrate his life, even when it felt like we couldn't or we shouldn't. And the Taylors, India Taylor, that's her surname, they chose to rest. I might add, they still do choose to rest in the space of joy and thankfulness for who Bubs was. And I think this is the same choice we need to make when we recognize that pride is getting in the way of celebrating someone else. To celebrate someone else isn't to make yourself any worse off. It's an active choice you make to uplift somebody else when it's hard. Bye. She needs to go and get her train. Everyone say bye. (laughs) Thanks, Chummy. See you later. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, when we're united in our choice to celebrate, we join in with God. He is and will forever be in the business of celebrating us, not because we're an elevated people, but just because he loves us. And celebrating each other is great, and it can be even more special when we're gathered around a table. It's a good link to the series, I know. Um, so just one last example. Um, in John 2, uh, 1 to 11, Jesus turns water into wine at a wedding, and I'm sure there are plenty of tables there. We're told in verse 11 that this was one of the first signs through which Jesus revealed his glory. And I think the fact this took place at a wedding just goes to show that Jesus was all about celebrating who others were and how they were joined together to outwork God's kingdom. And as we've explored in this series as well, scripture is God's beautiful invitation to all of us to join his table. Through Jesus, we have a seat there and where I'm honestly sure there is a constant stream of celebration for who each other is. And there's no hierarchy hierarchy either. We're all equal and everything fades away when we come face to face with God. But that doesn't mean that while we're on earth, we can't celebrate each other for who we are. And there are so many other occasions in scripture where Jesus gathered around a table to celebrate and so much of his ministry happened there when he relaxed with friends and also those on the fringes of society too. And I'm sure that he spent a great chunk of time celebrating who others were while he was there.